Hello, you audacious, amorous, anchovy arbiters. <laughs> I don't know even what that means. Ah, oh, that's what um, a severe lack of sleep in our entire week does for oneself. But last night was a little bit better. But we'll get to the lack of sleep later in the program. Or maybe uh, tomorrow's program. Who knows? We never know how much... Um, it's like it's like stuffing things into a, a hold or before you go traveling, this show. You know, how much can you stuff into the hold or without it bursting at the seams? And I feel that sometimes we do burst a few stitches on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I, I feel that we pack a little bit too much in it's a little bit rotund and it's about to explode and who knows what that explosion could entail it could uh, it could be a flesh wound it could be a gentle grazing um we, we just don't know but that's how much we like to to pack into this podcast oh all this alliteration this morning don't you just love it well happy friday to you I hope you're having a lovely autumn. I hope you're having a wonderful little drum roll towards Halloween. Now, Halloween was never a very big holiday in the UK growing up. I mean, Guy Fawkes Night, the 5th of November, was much bigger. You know, and I think maybe next Friday we'll do a little bit of a Guy Fawkes special. Because uh, I don't think Guy Fawkes, or Guy Fawkes, as the Americans would say, um, gets enough coverage and it gets enough air coverage these days and he should do but i mean he was the basis around viva vendetta so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll dingle into uh, a little bit of guy forks uh, next week uh next fr- uh, next friday the 5th of november but halloween yes never that big and it was sort of uh, bundled into guy forks night now i feel like guy forks night is now bundled into halloween and everybody does. What are you going to be dressed as? I'm going to go, as my daughters always say, traditional workman. I'm going to be dressed as my traditional workman. Button-down shirt, sweater, V-neck preferably. Uh, that's what we're going as. I, I, I can't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm still traumatized when I was uh, placed in a dog leash uh, with bandages around my head. I couldn't see anything. And I was the invisible man. And I was led down a rainy street in Portsmouth. Uh, back in probably 1997, maybe 98, maybe 99. And I couldn't see a thing. And cars could great joy in splashing up huge puddles. I mean, in the UK, in the end of October, quite a lot of rain. And I was a soaked invisible man when I got to the party. But you know what? A couple of warming ales and a few gin and tonics and I forgot how wet I was. So I definitely like to see this show as the creamy heart or shamrock on top of your Guinness or your coffee. Oh, now I feel like an espresso. I think I mentioned this last week. Since I, uh, since I rediscovered the sweet cream, my love for the uh, coffee has uh, uh, gone up exponentially. It really is absolutely delightful now. So I can't quite, I accidentally uh, drew a heart on my coffee one day when I was making it, but I've never come close since. And let alone the shamrock, mine would be like a maybe a seven and a half uh, leaf clover if I tried to do a shamrock on top of a Guinness. But I hope you're having a lovely Friday. And I think the weather's going to be changing here in Colorado. I think we're going to get some snow. I mean, I know there's been so much snow in the mountains already. 
nothing here in the in the in the city in the region in the suburban area but i think we're going to get a little bit of snow and it's going to be very very cold i mean it's already 30 in the morning i'm already layering up here doubling up the socks doubling up the underwear doubling up uh, the sweaters and um you know really probably putting all of my clothes uh, on at one time uh, including uh, including an extra long turtleneck although i i don't this is what I think I've mentioned this before. I do worry that my neck's not quite long enough for a turtleneck. Yeah, I'm not making myself out to seem like a turtle or something, or, you know, well, maybe I am. I don't know. I, I don't know. How long is the average man's neck? I mean, that's something we need to, to look up here. Let's just have a look here. How long? Okay. How long is the average man's neck? Okay, so the average man's neck is five inches, although whoever came up with this study says their necks is six point two inches. Don't you is is don't you like measure your hands or your feet and double it or something? I thought that was the size of your neck, or was that the size of something else? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean what size that if you've got size thirteen feet and a short neck, what does that mean? Or very large hands and a short neck. Alright, I'm now okay, just hold on a sec. I, I'm gonna go measure my neck. I'm gonna go measure my neck. Just hold, just, just, uh, just enjoy your coffee or sip your tea or just relax. Okay, hold on. So here we go. On the keep calm and cauliflower cheese, we'll be measuring men's necks. Okay, so so the chin, well, just under the chin, shall we? Down to the. You know what? I, I think I've got a six-inch neck, so my neck isn't as short as I thought. I thought I had a short, stubby neck, but my neck is in fact long and swan-like. Okay, there, peeps. Today on the podcast, it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Now, is it episode 132 or 133? Okay, well, we've, we've already found out the average male uh, neck length today. Do women have, do women have shorter le- uh, necks or longer necks? I mean, women seem more elegant. They seem to have longer necks, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so let's have a look here. Yeah, so it's 133 today. 100, 133 episode of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. All right, there we go. So anyway, on the podcast today, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about. Kate Beckinsale says high IQ is a drawback in Hollywood. Okay, well, okay, Kate. Um, She's actually got a very high IQ. Very high IQ. She seems very intelligent in the interviews that she does give. I love that movie, Serendipity. That's a beautiful rom-com. So I, I did find the other day, oh, another tangent here. So I was watching probably, I've watched some of the like, probably creepiest, well, scariest movies that I've seen in a long time. So the Netflix movie, an old fashioned horror movie, I think it's called, my God, that was a gory graphic nails down a chalkboard type of uh, horror movie it was 
disturbing. I would put that, if you're going to watch a double whammy of pretty scary, gory horror movies, watch an old-fashioned uh, horror movie and uh, Midsommar together. Because there's a sort of symmetry about them. I don't know what it is. There's a sort of symmetry about them. Anyway, I'm not going to explain anymore. But if you're, if you're a horror movie buff, and I don't meet many of them these days, then uh, Midsommar is one. And uh, an old-fashioned uh, uh, horror movie. Or is it a classic horror movie? I don't know. I'll find out. I'll find out for you. Those two together. Wow. And then you add... Wasn't horrific in a gory way, but very disturbing in an incredibly creepy way. And it's Creep 1, it's Creep, and then Creep 2. And it was shot a little bit like the Blair Witch Project. And I tell you, <laughs> this guy who played, uh, I, I, I mean, this fella was something else. Yes, as Mark Duplass is in Creep. And uh, with him and his buddy, Patrick Bryce, uh, who directed the movie, uh, Duplass uh, wrote the movie. He's he's scary in the way, a little bit like um, Nicholson. He has those crazy eyes. Crazy eyes. And the the second one is is even more interesting. So Creep Run, Creep 2. And uh, and then if you go over to Netflix, yes, it's a classic horror story. It's called not an old-fashioned horror story. Maybe maybe that's one I need to pen myself. But it's a classic horror story set in Italy. Don't know if the voices are dubbed. Basically, um, I think five strangers uh, like ride sharing or bus sharing uh, on a journey, and they get stuck in this forest. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, there's there's a few classic uh, horror movies for you over on netflix if you like that sort of thing and uh there we go so for halloween you just sort of settle down and enjoy see i don't like the folksy part of halloween so much like you know the dressing up and the dodgy decorations and things like that but do love a good horror movie anyway some of the other things we'll be talking about how i think i need to reinvent uh, i know we talked about peloton before but the old-fashioned bike you get in a gym i'm reinventing it also, um, something I heard from my uh, my parents that I never heard before. A right-hand flick. Do you know what a right-hand flick is? Well, I can't think, think I can go into too many details. Uh, garlic. Uh, we'll be talking garlic. Uh, also, my messy mouth when cleaning my teeth. Uh, how to make oneself cry. I heard a deafening squeak in the middle of the night. What was it? And uh, also, why isn't the best of the Roger Maud Bond movies put on the... Um, Apple Plus is an Apple Plus site that's giving the best of each of the Bond actors and they've missed out Roger Moore. How dare they? How dare you, Apple? And uh, some of the other things as well. Uh, Mick Jagger and Sir Paul McCartney would also rock on Wall Street. The last glimpse of autumn as the dial is set to dark. Beautiful little piece there. Also, uh, George V, never a dull moment. Um, a story about a royal nerd at war with the 20th century. Uh, the Secret Life of the Chippendales, Hot Bodies, Bitter Rivalries, and A Bloody Murder. That was in the London Times as well. We have some Trump or Trombone. Uh, we have another Fireside Butler Ghost Tale. Just getting us again warmed up or chilled for Halloween. So Kate Beckinsale says a high IQ 
is a drawback in Hollywood. Good looks and a high IQ might sound like a recipe for success, but Kate Beckinsale says that having above average intelligence is a handicap for women in Hollywood. The Underworld actress, 48, said that an intelligent female expressing an opinion was often regarded as offensive, adding that it could lead a woman to choose their words very carefully. She was speaking on the Howard Stern show, every single doctor, every single person I've come across, you'd be so much happier if you were 30% less smart. She scored 152 in an IQ test as a child and uh, was in a highly gifted category. Beckinsale read French and Russian literature at Oxford University before turning into acting full-time, said her intelligence had been no good for her career. Beckinsale joked that despite probably having burned a few brain cells since taking the test, being uncommonly clever has been detrimental to her successes in adult life. I mean, it's not really very helpful in my career, I just think it may be a handicap. After reading that her remarks have been portrayed as arrogant in some quarters, the daughter of the actors Richard Beckinsale and uh, Judy Lowe said the criticism proved the point. She said, I asked multiple times in a recent interview if I knew my IQ. I didn't answer the question the first few times, but did tell the truth that my mum had me in, uh, tested when I was very young, and it was very, very high. I didn't remember the number, and after being pressed several times to call my mother, I did. Here's the dilemma. Tell the truth, refuse to answer the question, lie, pretend it was lower. She added, when I said it would be a handicap in Hollywood, it's precisely because female and having an opinion often has been quite carefully packaged, so it's not deliberately offensive or deliberately twisted into signifying one's perceived superiority or indeed arrogance. So since moving to New Chappie Towers, I'm actually considering uh, going back to the gym. Now, I don't know if my actual card will work to open up the gym here at New Tappy Towers. I am concerned about that. The little entry card, I feel like there may be fear for the gym that, uh, you know, a chappy that hasn't worked out for quite some time. I mean, I do a lot of walking, like six miles a day, but I haven't done any vigorous, vigorous or vigorous exercises for quite some time that they might be worried about the excess weight on the rowing machine or the bicycle, all of those things. But I've discovered, I, I think that I'm more, when I'm talking about exercise bikes, I think I'm more of a bell and basket sort of guy. Bell and basket. Maybe with, um, you know, French onions around my neck and a, a crisp baguette in the basket. So that that's what I'm thinking. My, my idea of bicycling bicycling, biking, is gentle sort of afternoon in late summer pace. The sort of pace where you could eat a brie-laden baguette with maybe a couple of slices of apple in, or maybe some, uh, maybe some prosciutto as well in the baguette. If you're going along at that pace and the brie, the apples, you know, and the ham or prosciutto isn't falling out of the baguette, that's the sort of pace I'm looking at. Is anything too vigorous, I mean, you're going to lose your brie. I mean, the baguette's quite solid, so I think you'll be okay there. But you don't want to lose your brie. I mean, a, a piece of loose prosciutto flailing away could ruin your whole luncheon. So I'm thinking that, you know, if, if I go into the gym and there's no uh, bell or basket on the bike, I think I might just go back to my do Chappie Towers and have a nice strong cup of tea. Though I really recommend Nature's Notebook in the London Times. Absolutely lovely, beautifully written pieces, 
This is by Matthew Oates today. The seasons ride on in majesty, yet autumn's regal decline generates great pathos, not just with the gradual weakening of sunlight and lengthening of shadows. We hold on to things once taken for granted, now held dear. The last gleanings of sweet peas became more precious, culminating in the finality of a few short-stemmed, scentless blooms that signify an ending of an era. The frost that kills off and wrangled stems go on the compost heap to be recycled to help dream that next summer. The pity of autumn lies not just in the lowering of temperatures and the light angles, but in the growing imbalance between welcomings and farewells. From midwinter into August, losses are outweighed by gains as we wave after wave of new species flare up to mask those that have finished. The balance then tips over so that we're now firmly in the negative. Only don't tell that to autumn's fungi that breathe mystery and wonder into the woodland heart. The arrival of winter's thrushes announced by the subtle piping of redwing as they pass over at night is a moment to savour especially this year when the bulk of our swallows left remarkably early the few that have returned to my village departed over the august bank holiday and the last of the house martins that nest under my sturdy eaves have gone by mid-september my skies have emptied and they will not again fill up for a drab month or two Despite April's blackthorn winter and May's deluges, the scrublands and outgrown hedges shimmer with ripening fruit. Hawthorns stand sanguine with berries. Slow bushes glow, gin ready. Rowans break under scarlet stain, and we have holly berries at Christmas. At least here in the South Country, beech nuts abound. We will feed many a winter bird and mammal through the acorns crop as poultry, presumably due to the wet May. We will switch our clocks over to Greenwich, uh, Greenwich Mean Time next weekend, uh, plunging us into a premature darkness. Time is different in the natural world where creatures simply exist within the moment. I really think I've been here for too long. <laughs> Greenwich, I'm turning into America. I'm going to call Clapham Clams and Leicester Leicester very, very soon. So just uh, let's have a lovely warming fire. Just warming the, warming the cockles and warming the hands here. A little bit colder. Love the winter fire. I don't know if any of you, though, any of you in the corporate world, I'm hearing this a lot where everybody's worried about people resigning and everything else. So they're having these sort of fireside chats, you know, similar to what uh, uh, Bob Hope used to have. Or uh, Gerald Ford, had a, I saw there's a 1974 fireside chat with Gerald Ford or 1975 after Nixon resigned. They sit around and tell tales and make everybody feel good about themselves and that type of thing. But a lot of these fireside chats are sort of inane, uh, anemic, sterile, I've noticed recently, where they're not motivating at all. There's nothing in these chats that are yeah, giving, uh, giving the employees, part of the Butler Association, the boost to polish the brass harder. Or make sure you're starching your collars more efficiently. None of that. It's all very blasé. And it was making me think that, you know, there needs to be a little bit more fire in the bellies for these leaders who are giving these sort of fireside chats. No more passion. 
you know, loyalty, dedication, trying to fire the troops up, basically. I mean, these fireside chats, in my view, recently, have become so anemic that the fire is going to go out. It's going to get snuffed out. There's not enough oxygen, motivational-wise, to keep the fires going. And it becomes like a damp squib. So, you know, instead of being fire starters, roaring fires, passion, it's a damp squib. And a few gentle embers glowing before they're puffed out. So I heard something the other day um, that my mother was telling me. It's something that I'd never even heard before. And I think it was something that probably was uh, sort of vetted in the 50s, 60s, 70s or something. I haven't heard it since. And, you know, I, and I would do a little bit of your own research. I'm not going to go into too many, you know, we try not to keep things too, well, to be honest, this podcast is all below the waist, isn't it, really? But try not to be too below the waist as you're settling into your brunch on a Friday morning or whatever you're doing. But have you ever heard of a right or left hand flick? So this is a sort of dirty boy who leaves sort of something behind in the toilet bowl. And, uh, you know, it's like a left, right hand, left hand or right hand drive car. You're more dominant on one side. Not going to go into too many details, but let's say you're, you're sitting on the garderobe, on the lavatoire or the loo. And, yeah, you're more dominant on the left or the right side of them. Dirty boys, dirty boys, dirty, dirty. Well, I've never heard of the right or left hand flick. But apparently also there is right or left hand flush toilets. So you can have a right or left hand flush toilet. Aren't all, aren't all toilets on the right? Aren't all toilets on the right hand side? I guess you're using your right hand to flush. Or your right foot. I mean, that's what I tend to do in a public space. But, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And there's such geniuses here. The difference between a left-handed flush toilet and the right-handed flushing toilet are simple. The obvious difference is the flusher's handle position. Brilliant. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. But anyway, people out there, go and, uh, go and look up right-hand or left-hand flick. I haven't heard that phrase ever. It was in- introduced to me, and um, I think it's one we need to put into our vocabularies. They're two of the greatest rock and roll stars of their generation, but in another life, Sir Paul McCartney and Sir Mick Jagger could have been giants of the business world, according to a former record label boss. Guy Hans, a former chief executive of EMI, once a giant among record companies, has lifted the lid on his dealings with the music idols in his autobiography, The Dealmaker. Reflecting on his stewardship of EMI, which collapsed in 2011, Han said that McCartney, 79, would send a representative to the meeting. It proved an effective strategy, as he never placed himself in the position or personally of having to make a decision during negotiations. The one exception came when the pair crossed paths on a flight from New York to London. He was surprisingly and aggressively businesslike. The line he took would have been tough, even coming from a hardened Goldman Sachs banker. Look, he says, in essence, this is our music. You guys have it because of an accident of history. We should have it back. Hans once said he left a meeting with Jagger, thinking he would have made a better CEO than me.
One of the marvellous traditions and sort of doyens of uh, great British sort of going out, eating a roast on a Sunday or cooking a roast is, you know, sometimes you don't feel like making the roast on a Sunday. What a lovely tradition. I do not have a roast on a Sunday as often as I should. But you can still go out to a great pub and uh, and have a Sunday roast around a fire. See, I miss that. Living in America, I really miss the great British pub and going there and having a lovely roast on a cold autumnal or winter's day in the in the, during the you know during the colder seasons, a little bit of ice on the road, snow. I love a roast on those days. But have you ever gone to a carvery? I love the carveries, and they're you know really being pushed out of fashion a lot that my mother and father you know said that the carvery that they have in their local vicinity it, they, they may not have it anymore and uh carved meat lovely gravy yorkshire puddings roast potatoes lots of vegetables brussels sprouts all the rest absolutely fantastic but do you ever can you ever go back for a second i mean i found in my youth i could like stack up Almost like um, the Leaning Tower of Peas, the base would be the Yorkshire puddings. And you could have four Yorkshire puddings as a base, followed by, you know, a good solid cut of beef, or maybe some turkey as the next level. Then you can do some vegetables, possibly another Yorkshire pudding, the more meat on top of that. You can make yourself a Leaning Tower of Peas roast. And then you have to get it back to the table. And everybody's watching you, aren't they? You know, don't put too much gravy. It'll slop on the floor onto your suede shoes. you never get the gravy out of a suede shoe, I tell you. But do you, have you ever gone back for seconds? Because that's the trouble. I mean, if I was sitting close to the carvery base, you know, you could creep back and nobody would see it. But if you've got a long walk back, it is like the roast dinner walk of shame. Where you're like having so much and, and God forbid you go back for seconds. And that's why you need big pockets, where you can slip a couple of Yorkshires wrapped in a napkin in your pocket. Nobody would ever know then, you see. But you need a good solid base so things don't slip and slide on the way back. Because, you know, it hate a slice of turkey or, so, or a lump of stuffing to go onto the floor on the way back. And everybody's watching and judging you. They're watching and judging you walking back. It's like Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars. Everybody's holding up. So, you know, it's all like threes and fours because you've had too much on your plate. How can you eat that much? The gluttony of it all. But anyway, the roast dinner and the carveries that seem to be going out of fashion, which is uh, which is a great pity. You know, it's nothing better. Cold winter's day over a pint, you know, and some extra strong horseradish sauce that goes up your nose and makes you sneeze in abundance. So thinking about pubs, warming pub food, they had in the in the Times last, I think last Friday or Saturday, they had some of their best cozy pubs for autumnal afternoons. And here, just the descriptions of some of these just makes you feel warm and wonderful inside. So they have uh, the Dorset Arms in Withiam, East Sussex, set on Earl de Lawar's 
farmed Buckhurst estate in beautiful Sussex Weald countryside. This historic village in dates from the 18th century and ticks all the cosy pub boxes with an open fireplace, exposed beams, comfortable armchairs and welcoming nooks. There's guest ales from Sussex brewers at the bar, including classics fish and chips and steak and kidney pie. Oh, lovely. So here's another one. The Devonshire Arms in Beely Bakewell, Derbyshire. The 1,000-acre Capably Brown-designed uh, Chatsworth Park and estate in the heart of the Peak District come in for a pint of hand-pulled cask ale at the Copper Top Bar. Stone walls, a low-beam ceiling, a log burner add to the atmosphere. And the menu adds such classics as salmon cured with beetroot and the estate's own gin served with squid ink, squid ink tapioca. Oh, absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. One close to my heart, Gunton Arms, local. Traditional comfy sofas, open fireplaces are contrasted with modern art. The menu of British ingredients are deer rump from the park, cooked over an open large fire in front of guests in the Elk Room dining room. And this is uh, this is my favourite, I think. The Barrington, this one's called the Barrington Boar in Ilminster in Somerset. This 18th century hamstone built pub with rooms sits opposite the local church in the Somerset village of thatched houses and cottages. Sample made cider, ale, locally, gin in a cosy bar with the wood burner and exposed beams before dinner in the elegant welcoming dining room. They serve dishes from local produce such as roast partridge, buttermilk fried thighs. It's almost like a pornography scene. How much garlic is too much garlic? So the other day, Smelled absolutely delicious meal, but the smell of garlic was the most overpowering I've ever ever had or ever felt, ever smelt. So, I mean, I knew I obviously don't have COVID because the, the smell was so pungent. I'm wondering if the smell of probably 11 or 12 cloves of cooked garlic could break through the COVID symptom not being able to smell anything. Because I honestly think the power of the garlic could probably cure all ills. The thing is, though, if you cook with that much garlic, you're smelling it not only the day of, you're smelling it the next day. Any clothes that you wear uh, also reek of that much garlic. I mean, I've never... It's a pure haven for safety away from vampires you would never have a vampire cross the borderline of the house that is used 12 cloves of garlic it's very good for you i mean i think also so you not only do you not have any vampires but also you have probably the elixir for living forever i think if you eat and consume 12 cloves of garlic then you will live forever your arteries will be clear, your nostrils will be clear, there'll be no lung problems, your blood pressure will be perfect, no cholesterol. I think that's what it takes. You have to push beyond the boundaries of comfort with garlic to eat and consume that many cloves. Because I truly believe it it is probably, it's like going to the waters of a, a font that a saint once touched. If you've been touched by 11 or 12 cloves of garlic, you 
will have eternal youth. Alright mate, it's Trump Commune! Okay. So, when getting over a hangover, many people turn to certain comfort foods to soak up the alcohol and make themselves feel better. Everything from fry-ups to McDonald's meals. Kaylee O'Brien recently ordered a sausage roll from Greg's in an attempt to perk herself up whilst feeling a little bit worse for wear. However, when the food arrived, Just Eat, um, the, the lady from Warwick was gutted to discover there was no sausage inside of her sausage roll. Oh, man. The personal assistant was excited to cut into her order, but was stunned to find an empty pastry cellar nose sausage. Kaylee filmed the moment she made the disappointing discovery of the clip later went viral. She was gutted. She and her boyfriend ended up having to split. Oh, okay, let me let me read the punctuation. I thought they split up, but there's no sausage in the in the pastry shell. The only sausage roll between them. Um, so they just had basically had pastry. Everybody loves the Greg sausage roll and a really fancied one. The meat inside is a pretty big part of the experience. You're not saying, Kaylee. Well, in this case, it was too much ol and not enough toad. The mother of two, Caitlin Flager, has revealed that her kids don't mind when she smokes weed as they know they're far more likely to get McDonald's when she has the munchies. So Caitlin Flager, mum of two from Vancouver, smoking weed for recreational purposes is legal, uh, shared a clip of herself and her son joking that he'd been waiting for her to smoke some weed as he knew only time would tell and it would be a short amount of time before they went and got McDonald's. Caitlin later confessed that after smoking cannabis is the only time I actually want McDonald's so you can see why her kids might be keen for her to smoke. I mean, they should just call it a munchy meal. Just loving it. And an Instagram influencer has faced severe backlash online after posting a series of posed photos of herself taken at her dad's funeral in front of the open casket. Social media influencer Jane Rivera has deleted her Instagram account following outrage over pictures she claimed to have taken at her father's funeral. The fitness model from Florida shared a series of eight snaps showing her in different poses, one wearing a shouldered tuxedo dress in front of what appears to be an open casket. She captioned, uh, R.I.P. Papi, a life well lived. In one image, she can be smiling straight at the camera, while in the other, she stands with her hands clasped in prayer. Some of the uh, some of the responses on social media. Um, one of the one of the comments said, "Narcissists are rampant these days. Their lives are centered on social media. Likes they get reminds me of an episode of Black Mirror. Hmm. Unlike and unsubscribe. What next? TikTok videos dancing around a mortuary." Some of my favorite things from the week include another extract from Very British Problems. They're on Instagram and also on Twitter. You should like and subscribe these guys. They're absolutely fantastic. So anyway, phrases of fury for a Brit. Steady on, come off it. Well, excuse me, with due respect. Look here, there's no need for that. Now, just wait a minute. I beg your pardon. Listen, mate. Right. And then 
<laughs> also from British Problems official. It's a bloody nightmare, meaning something proving a mild inconvenience typically used to describe slightly heavy traffic or the internet not working. It's not ideal, meaning something terrible has happened and life is almost certainly ruined. There was a lovely article by uh, Satnam Sangara, uh, which uh, was talking about, does your family have private languages? Family communication is fascinating. Or to put it in English, family communication is fascinating. Nicknames are retained for decades for the most common of reasons. Anecdotes uh, are told and retold so many times that you can't remember what actually happened. It's like Chinese whispers, isn't it? Or in the case of uh, his family, you start communicating in a language of your own creation and nobody can remember why. For the far past few months, my nieces and I have been prefixing every word with foi on our dedicated Facebook group. And on the other day, it turned out none of us could recall why. I had to go back into the archive of messages to work out. It turns out we're arguing so much that when living together during lockdown that one of them started adding friend to the end of the sentences. In real life and online to indicate warmth. As this sounded sarcastic, another started saying uh, if she were five-year-old, and it now appears that we speak friend. I fret for family was a familiar whale. I mean, our favourite in, uh, in in our family is on a on a dewy morning. You need to have a shower, a shower, car, uh, beer, and bear could be the same uh, same sort of thing. So you're going to go and have a beer, or are you going to have a bear? Or uh, also here and how, here, here, here. Simply marvellous having you here for the podcast today. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I really do appreciate the likes and subscribes. Uh, literally across all platforms, all platforms. Uh, Apple Music, if you like the audio, uh, Slack, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, many, many different platforms. In fact, I don't know if you heard the other day, and this is pretty disgusting, that over a five-year period, your bed does double in size and, 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 uh, and weight. So... And that's all because of the dead skin and the mites and the bed bugs and everything else. But if you lay on a fresh mattress and you lay back, you gently arch your back, you can hear the sound of uh, keep calm and cauliflower cheese emanating from your back. You can't. Yeah, it does. It does happen. If you like music, though, on Spotify, there's a marvelous little function that turns the uh, the keep calm and cauliflower show into like a radio show. So. It's basically a radio show that you can listen to, you know, sometimes it's two hours, sometimes up to three hours with music uh, on the uh, on the podcast. So if you like a little bit of music with your chappy, then that's the way to listen. So we have some Four Tops. We have some Notorious B.I.G., some John Lennon, Jeff Goldblum, some Estelle, The Prodigy, uh, The Beatles, Rolling Stones, Van Morrison, The Bangles. Uh, also, uh, if you like... Um, a little bit of Andrew Gold as well. I mean, there's so much and and, and uh, so much going on in the musical edition. If you if you like some music, new music, old music, something borrowed, definitely as well. So anyway, that's almost the end of the show. Um, and uh, coming up next, we have a little poem. So this is a lovely little family orientated poem by uh, Denise Kasharyo, Halloween Night. 
When days grow short and nights get cold and autumn trees turn red and gold, move me may through sun-drenched days, midst leaves and berries, bales of hay. In our hearts we feel the lure towards darkness, shivers and things not pure, while ghostly shadows creep slowly by, spying on witches and brooms that fly, icy fingers that grab their prey and do bad things till night turns to day. Heed this plea to stay inside, find covers and blankets and sheets to hide. Slowly this night will fade to day and fiends and monsters will crawl away once a year on this dank night will shake and shiver to morning light thank you so much for listening to the podcast i will be back we'll have a special pre-halloween edition of the podcast uh, coming up uh, tomorrow and uh, until then cheerio for now